Shabbat Shalom, everybody. I'm really excited because we finally made it to Leviticus. I really love Leviticus. I know some of you may not quite share my sentiments, but I'm really excited. I think I wrote three different versions of this drosh, so this is the part where we really hope that I say what the Lord wants me to say and not the thousand other things that are in my mind. So, um, so Leviticus is this really unique book. It's the book of the Torah that doesn't have time markers. We don't really, it all kind of all happens at once. It kind of happens at this Sinai moment and all these instructions are given and we kind of go back to a narrative structure when we get back into numbers. So it's this kind of interesting pivot point in the Torah and it's the climax of the Torah. It's the, it's the high point, honestly, and it's amazing. So one of the things that I have really been thinking about um, and learning kind of in a new way this year going through the Torah reading schedule is how the Torah demonstrates that the God of Israel is categorically different and more powerful than any other ancient small g God. Um, I've been reading Dennis Prager's commentaries and he brings this point up again and again that if we understood other ancient cultures, we would see that the way that Adonai presents himself, even the creation story, is different than any other ancient story. Um, and Leviticus is a really, actually a really big demonstration of this because for the first time, Israel's in this really unique situation where they've been delivered out of Egypt. And so they're no longer in slavery. They're no longer under anyone else's rule. And they're also large enough in numbers to be their own nation. It's not just one family anymore. It's 12 tribes. It's some estimates, I think, are what, 2 million people? potentially. So they're big enough to be their own nation now. So they need structure. They need to know how to govern themselves, how to operate in day-to-day life, how to live now that they are not under this oppression anymore. And so God is very kind. (laughs) He gives Moses this instruction for the tabernacle, he shows it to him. Because if you read through the instructions about the tabernacle, it's not actually enough information to actually construct the tabernacle from the information we're given. Moses had to see it to be able to construct it properly. So God is really kind to give that, to give this central structure to Moses. And then Adonai's presence dwells and he gives this instruction about how to use this structure they've now built which the purpose is for God to dwell among his people, right? Like that's God's goal from the very beginning, from garden to garden, that's his goal is to dwell with his people. So in this point in the narrative, this is how God dwells with his people. So we have this beautiful scene at the end of Exodus where the the glory fills the tabernacle. Moses is face to face. We have this verse that we love to quote and it's beautiful. Moses is face to face with Adonai and Adonai talks to him as man talks with a friend. And guess what Adonai tells his friend? Leviticus. (laughs) So, because the entire book of Leviticus, 57 times it says, and Adonai spoke to Moses and said, pages and pages and pages of do this, do this, do this. Why? Because they have got to figure out what to do with themselves. 
they are not good at being faithful, guys. <laughs> We've already, they've, they've been out of the, they've been out of Egypt for one year. And they've, they've already, they're being supernaturally sustained. They're getting manna from heaven every day. They have a rock that follows them around to give them water. They have, you know, their clothes are not wearing out. Their shoes are not wearing out. Like God is like supernaturally meeting their practical needs. And the second that Moses goes up Mount Sinai to get the 10 words, they're like, dang it, he's gone. We need another God. Aaron, give us another God, golden calf. They're really bad at being faithful on their own. (laughs) So God is really kind and he says, I'm going to give you structure. I'm going to tell you how to do this. You see all these other nations around you giving sacrifices and doing all of this. So you have a grid for that. You know what sacrifice looks like. But this is how you sacrifice to me. This is how you do it for me. And these are the reasons. It's not to get God to do what we want him to do. It's for fellowship. It's for shalom. It's for, yes, sin and atonement. Um, but it's about all these different things. And there's all these instructions. And there's all these um, these beautiful things about this, the type of animals that they bring and the type of um, the grain that they bring and the wine and the oil and all these different things. So the problem is still that we are modern Western people and we don't understand a sacrificial system and we think it's weird and gross. And it is. I think I have a really disgusted look on my face when I read Leviticus because there's way too much information about blood and fat and innards and burning things, and it's, it's kind of nasty. But So we still have this problem of what do we do with it right now. So I was asking the Lord what, what a key thing might be that of how we should, what might help us have the right lens to read Leviticus. And I asked, and what I feel like he said was, don't confuse legalism and holiness. So I thought about that and I processed that with the Lord a little bit. And here's, here's some things that I thought about. Legalism and holiness actually have some things in common. Both of them require discipline. And both have kind of an outward fruit or action associated with them. But legalism is counterfeit. Legalism is based in pride and arrogance. And it's this, look at what I can do. It's this kind of asceticism, which can have a holy application, but go with me for a second. Like this, this self-denial or this self-promotion unto self-glorification, honestly. It's like, look at how many commandments I can keep. Look at, I can keep more than you. I can, I can force myself by sheer will to do all of these things. That's legalism. Holiness also requires discipline. You do things, you do certain things, you don't do certain things. But it's to be set apart. Holiness means being set apart. For what? To be in the presence of God. Holiness is about glorifying God. Leviticus is about holiness. So, holiness. I'm suggesting we read Leviticus with a lens of holiness. And along those lines, something else occurred to me. Even just reading this first portion this week, we have, um, we have some sacrifices. We have some, some instruction about sacrifices. We have certain animals to bring and, and how to lay them on the altar and all these things in the presence of God. And I love that God, so many times God says, and it's a, it raises a pleasing aroma to Adonai. Like he's so pleased by these sacrifices, and it's, it's, it's enjoyable. 
So a lot of these sacrifices are about pleasing God. It's about loving God, right? It's about being in God's presence. But Leviticus also gives us instruction, even in this first portion, the portion that um, was read this morning was about restitution. It's about something goes wrong between me and my, my neighbor here. We got to fix it. So really Leviticus is love God, love neighbor. Who does that sound like? Yeshua. That's what Yeshua tells us. So my suggestion as we spend the next couple of months reading Leviticus and struggling through the do this with the fat and do this with the innards and splash the blood on the altar and all that stuff. Um, My suggestion is that we search our hearts and see if we're coming and we're looking at it from a perspective of legalism and holiness and then we ask the Lord how to take the principles of this system and help it teach us how to love God and love neighbor. Shabbat shalom. Shalom.